you bookworms? Welcome to Librarians Telling Tales, where we introduce you to all the things we love about libraries, books, people, and making connections. I'm Amy. I'm Blair. I'm Jennifer. In today's episode, we'll chat about the first books that rocked our worlds, our favorite independent reads, and the books that we see flying off our shelves and helping readers in our community discover the joy of reading. Before we start sharing our favorite independent reads, you know, those books that launched us as readers, we want to talk some basics and answer that question, what are independent readers? Simply, independent readers are kids who read on their own. Those are voracious readers who really need very little help from adults. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's not really focused on age or skill level, but it's really those kids that have discovered the joy and the pleasure of reading. It's that magical moment when kids realize, like, not only can they read on their own, but that they actually enjoy reading on their own. Absolutely. You know, it's just so fun when kids really start to develop their own taste in books, and they find those books and series that they engage with, the things that speak to them, and then draw them into reading. It just encourages their overall independence. Blair, you are right. I'm always right. This is what I tell my mother. Even when I'm wrong, I'm right. You are right. And when they start to read, when those kids start to choose their own books, they tend to turn into lifelong readers. So I'm going to let you all into a little secret about the joy of reading for me. My mom really stressed with reading with me. I did not get it right away. And she turned it over to my dad. My dad sat with me. And I remember it was those what we call basil readers. Mm -hmm. Very basic. I think there was Sam and Anne and Miss Pat and Tab. But once the light went off, I was reading like gangbusters. I just took off and started reading. So my first independent reads were the Little Critter series. Mm -hmm. And those are still checking out on our shelves. And I collected those and my mom would give me one each year, a brand new one. So I have a collection. And as I got older, I would take those Little Critter books to babysitting jobs. And the kids had so much fun looking for the little grasshopper or the spider or the mouse. But I devoured those. And those are what kicked off my independent reads. And then for Christmas, I got the Little House in the Prairie books. And that was it. I was off and, and Ready, running. Ready, set, go. Ready, set, go. I don't remember the books like we have in our section in the library, the beginning readers. I don't remember that existing mm -hmm. or being a section that I would go to in the library. It was just something I did at school. But we've come a long way, I think, since, since that time. So what are some of your books that you remember as independent readers? Well, first, I want to say that when you read the Little Critter book during the virtual story times that we did, you mentioned sharing those with the kids that you babysat and having encouraging the kiddos that were watching you in that presentation, encouraging them to search for those characters as well. What a sweet connection. So anyway. They work. Those books work. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that you mention Little Critter and Mercer Mayer because when I was thinking about this, some of the books that I loved reading growing up and that I first started reading when I was young were Frog and Toad and the Berenstain Bears. And those two are still circulating. They're still on our shelves. And I'm 41, almost 42. And so those are... I read them when I was a small child, and now they're still out there and kids are reading them today. So it's pretty cool to see that sort of continuity, which is almost surprising that that still exists, I think. Oh, I read the Berenstain Bears too. Berenstain. I never knew how to pronounce it properly. Me neither. So it is <laughs> It is the bear book with the bees. Um, I actually was trying to figure out exactly which ones that we had, but I was pretty sure we had one that was like flaps, where you were treasure hunting in the house and looking for stuff to go on a picnic. But I couldn't find reference to this actually being a book, so maybe 
maybe I was just making it up in my head. But those pop-up books were my absolute favorites. Mm-hmm. I loved the pop-up books. And I actually remember tying back to last time we were talking about bedtimes and reading stories together. I remember a point at which my mom was like, you know how to read. Why don't you read the stories tonight? And so that kind of became the takeover that I started reading us stories at bedtime. Mm-hmm. Then with independent reads, I think for me, the magic year really was second grade. Like, honestly, I think it was Roald Dahl. It was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But then it was every single thing on my second grade teacher's shelf that was Roald Dahl. I devoured. I devoured them all. My real love of reading started from all of that. The Twits, BFG, James and the Giant Peach. The oh, witches. I love them all the witches Mm -hmm. the witches is still the best the witches is still like so creepy i feel like my aesthetic in life is defined by roald dolls the witches and then the movie with angelica houston because ah she's wonderful she's just so awesome yeah that definitely defined my beginning reading second grade was also a big year for me with reading but it was tied to the launch well at least in my school of pizza hut's book it program or booking it Mm -hmm. and i was like i could have a free pizza I mean, that was seriously motivating, hugely motivating for like why I wanted to read so many books on my own to get those little stamps and things. My mom would sign the sheet or whatever it was. The first one that I remember reading on my own in second grade was sort of an embarrassing one. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a book that I wrote myself that I made up called Pie Friends. (laughs) I added Pie Friends to my list, even though it wasn't a published book. And my mom signed off on it. Do you still have it? I don't. But she trusted that I had read a book. But I, (laughs) in fact, had created a book. Um. (laughs) But then from there for me, it was the Babysitter's Club, the Boxcar Kids, both of which we still have in the library. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget Ramona Quimby. Oh, yes. My first Ramona book was Ramona the Brave. And I loved Ramona. I laughed out loud and read every book that Beverly Cleary had published, Mm -hmm. which went to Beezus and Ramona and Henry Huggins, Ralph the Mouse, Mm -hmm. everything. I just couldn't get enough of Beverly Cleary. And we still have those books, too. Oh, yes. On the shelves here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What we don't have on our shelves is Sweet Valley, Sweet oh, Valley yes. Twins and Sweet Valley High. I was all about Sweet Valley. I had a twin obsession. I was sure that I was somehow a twin <laughs> and my imaginary friends, I had two of them because they were twins. And so Sweet Valley hit me in just the right places. And for the longest time, I was like, yes, someday I'm going to have twins because I'm just that obsessed with twins. <laughs> twins. I was a strange child. We should have an episode of all the books that are about twins because there are a lot. There are quite a few actually. Actually. Lots of series, actually, about twins. So I don't think that you're too far afield with your feelings about twins. Probably not. But <laughs> I, I felt very odd that actually my imaginary friends were twins. And my mother remembers their names. I can't actually remember their names. Mm-hmm. It was something weird like Oopsie and Boopsie or something silly. <laughs> but it, that, that's not that's not right. But that's close. But your fascination with twins, I had a similar fascination with the boxcar kids and like wanting to solve mysteries and be on my own and live in a boxcar. And I think you did too, Miss Jennifer. Oh, yeah, I love survival books. Baby Island, which is a classic. I think Carol Ryrie Brink. I just love any book, even now, books where kids are on their own and surviving. And I think a lot of our teen readers love those dystopian books as well because of the kids that are surviving, Mm -hmm. you know, saving the world. Oh, yeah. Dystopia is 100% my genre. Mm -hmm. I love dystopia and science fiction. And when they blend, it makes me really happy. But the other really weird thing that I read independently super early, I know for a fact I picked it up second grade sometime. I was out of books to read at the house and I looked at my mom's bookshelf and it had a copy of A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betsy Smith. And oh my gosh, I started reading that book. I know there's no way that I actually understood that book, but... 
Man, did I love it. And I have reread that book so many times. Totally understand it now. So much of what our job is, is keeping up with book trends and making sure that we have those books that the kids in our community just really, really, really want to read. And having a variety of books on our shelves is so important. We have fantasy, adventure, graphic novels, all of those different types of books that give our independent readers a lot of choice. And choice is so important for independent readers. I mean, one of my things is going into like tips and tricks. When kids start to express their own interest in reading, sometimes they want to read things that are above their ability level. They want to read Harry Potter, but they can't get through Harry Potter yet. Well, the best way to keep them independent and let them have that experience as well is to give them an audiobook and a physical book at the same time. So they can listen to a narrator, they can follow along with a text. It encourages their understanding of vocabulary. It can can increase their overall fluency. And it's just a really great way to let them experience books that otherwise they might have to wait to read. And in addition to that, Blair, I would just say that creating a reading culture at home is so important. We did that when my kids were little. We had books everywhere. Books were sitting on the couch, on the table, on the floor in the bedroom, or in a basket that would go back to the library. And having books everywhere made it very clear that books were important. And I felt that encouraged my kids to read. And then, of course, getting a library card and Woo-hoo! having, yes, get it, that library card. And at our library, kids can be as young as zero and get their library card. So that really encourages a reading culture and really supports those kids who have a love of reading. And in addition to all of that, which is awesome advice, especially getting your own library card for your child, please, please, please do that. I would suggest that you do give them choice, but that you guide that a bit when you do come to the library or you go shopping at the bookstore or the little free library in your neighborhood, allowing them to make a choice for themselves. Maybe guide that choice, you know, like three to five books today, not 16 or 50, because yes, you can check out 50 books with your library card, but really setting a little bit of parameter, but giving them a lot of choice and sort of guide their and steer their interests. Really just limit that number of choices. Don't bring home too many things. Well, it's setting reasonable rates of what you can accomplish. Yes. You know, don't overdo because if you overdo, then you may not get to read them all and then you may not get to keep them all or read them all next time. So yeah, you're totally right. Great tips. Let's talk about books that are flying off the shelves that the kids are just clamoring for and asking us for and keeping us on our toes. The newest book that's come out in the series. Wings of Fire. Oh, yes. Wings of Fire. Oh, it's a big graphic and in original print. It is just so hot. And I saw that you just put number five graphic novel in the book cart so we can order it. So everybody who's listening, we're on it. Upon patron request. Well, what I also found funny is that I was just going through the new shelves. And on the new shelves, we had one from January that has been checked out so much, it was still marked as new, which is shocking because we don't normally let that happen. But January. It's probably its first return to the library. It's like, I'm home. And then we're like, wait, you're old. (laughs) Oh, it was even better. I changed its home location and it immediately went out on hold. That's awesome. So let's do speed round. All right, let's do it. Keepers of the Lost Cities. Uh, Dogman. Bad Guys. Sophie Mouse. 
That's a great series. Mm-hmm. That also came to us on patron requests and was a big scholastic one from a book fair. And now we have like what all 17 or 18 in the series. Mm-hmm. We have a huge number of those books. They're awesome. And they go like crazy. They do. Um, Raleigh Jefferson, that whole spinoff series. I feel like there are just not enough in the whole system. Everybody wants them. Well, and Wimpy Kid too. I mean, those Wimpy Kid books are still circulating like hotcakes. Yep. Big Nate. Mm-hmm. All those read-alikes for Diary of a Wimpy Kid. There's oh, Raina Tegelmeyer. Oh, yes. Let's just not forget her. Of course not. Nope. Can't forget her. I think it's interesting that literally anything that has Star Wars on it, any single thing that has Star Wars anywhere in the whole collection, it is bananas. Mm-hmm. Legos, still, too. Oh, yes. Legos. <laughs> Lego Star Wars. That's why I was thinking of it. Oh, my so goodness. Much. But even the Rick Riordan stuff, the Percy Jackson series, um, his spinoffs, all those are very popular still. That first five books in that um, original series are rarely all on the shelf or even at all on the shelf. Which reminds me of Brandon Mull mm-hmm. and Fablehaven and Beyonders. Those types of books, they're never, the first book is never on the shelf. So it's really hard to tell kids about it when you know number one might not be there. And for those kids that are in the second, third grade, just getting started with reading the Dragon Master series mm-hmm. by Tracy West, super popular, hard to find book one on the shelf at any given time. And then also, oh gosh, what is that one called? The Last Firehawk? The Last, the last Firehawk. Mm-hmm. The Last Firehawk by Something Charmin. Yes. It's in the seas, guys. It's in the seas if you're looking for it. And something about chickens, you know, the chicken squad, Mm -hmm. Kung Pao chicken. Mm -hmm. Those are big series, too, that kids are asking about. And that are funny. So funny. Funny Funny is the the buzzword. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and of course, it's always Mo Willems. So Elephant and Piggy all day long, which is surprising because Elephant and Piggy are all in the reading level section versus all of the pigeon books, which are in the picture book section. And so it's kind of that fun break when they want both. But Mm -hmm. they have to go to both areas to find it. And for teens, I think it's still the classic books like Hunger Games, Maze Runner. Can you think of any other ones that come to mind for the teens that they're asking for? Well, the Heartstopper series, we haven't been able to keep on the shelf, mm, which is a graphic true. novel. And of course, the graphic novels are just always flying. But I have noticed the Heartstopper series is always out. Well, Marie Lou's Legend series is always going out, and kids really love Marie Lou. She's a, a great uh, teen author for science fiction and dystopian novels. I Am Number One by Pitticus Lore, that mm-hmm. series has had a resurgence. Oh, the Hawthorne Legacy, or it's actually it's called The Inheritance Games. The Hawthorne yes. like, is the second book, but that book is now really on fire too. For teens, it's a mystery series. And The Alchemist, the uh, Nicholas Flamel series, mm-hmm. those books we couldn't keep on the shelf. I kept having people wanting to know new titles, new titles. And I was like, oh, well, this is a kind of fun one. And every time I tried to recommend it, they were already gone. They were already checked out. <laughs> there was no. That's always something that, that stumps me as a librarian. Like, do I recommend this book? I have learned to go to the shelf first yes. to make sure the book is there before I get the kids all super excited about it. And oh, sorry, it's <laughs> not here. Book one is not on the shelf. Sorry, guys. Can we put that on? hold for you great (laughs) (laughs) it's true yeah it's really it's really tricky I think hearkening back to to our talk about favorites for ourselves and like survival stories, one of the books that I find it's easy to recommend is Hatchet, Gary Paulson. That is that book that is like just the right length, really short, exciting chapters, survival, alone on an island, that even the more reluctant readers that are like, I don't want to read a book, they say, okay, and then that starts something. Well, Definitely. Amy, that leads us to the series we've totally, totally forgotten. That's the I Survived series. I was going to oh, bring that gosh, up too. Yes. The Lauren I Survived Tarsh series mm-hmm. is- Yes. So popular. 
Wait, choose your own adventure. Yes. I just forgot. I mean, I just remembered. <laughs> those were, for me, big. And then I see that they've made a whole new series and sets of those and even the superhero ones. I thought for sure how many people in one week earlier in the summer were like asking for choose your own adventures. I was Surely there must have been a piece on it or something. I was like, what made you think of it? Nothing. I just, I, I want to read choose your own. And mm-hmm. I mean, we went through so many of those. It was a little surprising that there hadn't been some impetus, some reason for it. A new Netflix show or something. Exactly. (laughs) So hopefully our listeners, just from our discussion today, if they haven't heard of some of these series, we'll see there are so many wonderful independent reads and series that they can come to the library and check out for their kids or to know what's new and current and flying off the shelves. Now we're going to hear from you, our readers and listeners. This is a fun segment where you tell us some of your favorite books. This is Reader's Rave. Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm 22. And one book that will always stay with me is A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. It was the first book where I got to know a character from the time they were a child all the way into their adulthood. And it felt so intimate to be able to see this character evolve and also see a lot of parts of myself in this character as she grew too. It was beautifully written and I would recommend it to anybody. My name is Sophia, and I am 14 years old. A book that I love is Dry by Neil and Jared Shusterman. I really enjoyed Dry because it was a very interesting kind of sci-fi dystopian novel that had many thoughts on what our world's future would look like if climate change keeps on affecting us. Hi, my name is Melanie, and one of my favorite books for this season is called The 13 Hours of Halloween by Diane Reagan. It is a fantastically fun book. It is an adaptation of The 12 Days of Christmas. The little girl's best friend actually gets her things like flying broomsticks, wrapping mummies, zombies on skateboards, and fat bats, just to name a few. It is so much fun. My granddaughter and I love to sing it together. It's just a great way to spend the holiday and a fantastic little book. You should definitely check it out. Do you want to be part of Reader's Rave? Call us at 928-777-1490 and leave a message with your first name, your age, a book you love, and what you love about it. Thank you for joining us today on Librarians Telling Tales. Don't forget to subscribe to catch our next episode in mid-November, where we will be talking about books that celebrate family and food. Want the list of books shared in this episode? You'll find them on our webpage at prescottlibrary.info forward slash youth hyphen services hyphen podcast in the episode two transcript. This podcast is supported by the Arizona State Library Archives and Public Records, a division of the Secretary of State, with federal funds from the Institute of Museum and Library Services. We would also like to thank the City of Prescott, friends of the Prescott Public Library, and all of our fabulous co-workers at Prescott Public Library. Be sure to like and subscribe to Librarians Telling Tales. And until next time, we'll see you in the library. Library.